Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the podcast for the top 17% of entrepreneurs with cash in the bank to correlate to their profitability. Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who have taken ownership of their financials and leverage Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day. If you are a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacle stand in our way in pursuit of the three P's, passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced Profit First strategies, and we share the honest and authentic ups and downs of being a business owner. Most episodes of the podcast also feature segments from the world's most prolific author on entrepreneurship, the author of Profit First, The Pumpkin Plan, Surge, Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, Clockwork, and his newest book, Fix This Next, Mike Michalowicz. On today's episode, we continue peeling back more layers of the borrower-lender matrix we talked about on episode 14. Specifically, we are going to talk about using credit cards in your business and how you can stay on the win-win side when it comes to using Profit First as your cash management system with credit cards, but without the credit cards becoming insidious. Of course, debit cards are ideal in a profit-first world especially for your recurring OPEX expenses like software subscriptions, phones, utilities, etc. But debit cards also have limitations that make them impractical for business use, especially for large purchases or international procurement. Credit cards also have the reward points that play to leverage our emotions, which also makes this episode's word of the week insidious meaning insidious, proceeding in a gradual, subtle way, but with harmful effects. I think credit cards fits that bill. Everyone has an insidious credit card story in their life. Maybe you got a credit card in college thinking that it is a right of adulthood. In the course of the first semester, you were dutifully paying it off every month because you had savings from your summer job. By spring break, those summer job funds were depleted and then you started to carry a debt balance on that piece of plastic that you thought was a right of adulthood. While the prospect of travel points and cashback rewards are promising, if you are not hyper-vigilant about them, credit cards are insidious. Wouldn't you agree, Mike? Yeah, so, uh, you know, credit cards can be insidious in that it's really difficult to see the individual charges. I'm not saying from a logical standpoint, but I'm saying emotionally. If I buy something with cash today and I go to the local deli get a sandwich or something like that and I pay ca- I pay cash, I take my wallet out and I see a deduction. I see the money being reduced in my wallet. It's a very visceral response. Credit card, you don't feel that immediate pain. 
And it's only a list, a statement that comes, you know, once a month or whatever that just lists things out. Credit cards actually even gotten quote unquote smarter. They're taking more advantage of customers uh, through paperless. So you'll see credit cards um, saying, well, go paperless, go paperless. Please do not be compelled to think that they're really trying to save the environment. They are trying to, within the context of the law, what was that? Yeah, make you that's what they're trying to do. They want you to forget it. Within the confines of the law, they're trying to cloak that statement from you. They're trying to reduce the feeling of the pain, which therefore entraps you longer uh, with the credit card company. All they want you to see is that minimum number because they can just keep on proverbially raping you financially. So that's what these credit card companies are doing. So don't fall for the paperless trick. Um, if you're environmentally responsible, um, put in your calendar uh, an opening of that credit card statement online once every week uh, or, or if you want minimally once a month. But you got to look in there and you got to spend a good half hour just soaking in those numbers and feeling that pain. One of the tricks is these subscriptions, right? So uh, I had a gym membership and I stopped going to the gym, but I wasn't looking at my credit card statement. And I was just looking at the minimum payment. I was paying the what I needed to pay. I was looking at the balance at times. But I was, you know, in the last 12 years, I've been good. I, I don't maintain a balance at all on credit cards. I still have credit cards. I think they're a good safety instrument in certain measures. And other times they are a convenience thing, but you, you need to have that discipline. So I don't carry a balance that's prohibited for me. That's my rule. But I just pay it off with that. Honestly, at times, and even in recent times, I will pay off the statement just saying, oh, I got the money, I'll pay it off. So I wasn't looking at the recurring costs. I was looking for, trying to look for a fraudulent cost, but I'm like, oh yeah, I recognize those things are good. In duress, duress, in stressful times, under duress, in stressful times like we're experiencing now, with a recession, there's so many moving parts. I got to keep my business moving. It's very easy not to spend the time looking at the detail on the credit card statement. So it's even easier to skip over that stuff. Well, I had a... Uh, Apparently, I had that gym membership that I was no longer going to. I fulfilled my contractual obligation. I was still getting billed because I never canceled it. Here's the trick. Call your credit card and debit card providers today. Get your credit cards reissued, the same as if your card was stolen, so you get new numbers, and tell them not to transfer any subscriptions. It's a full brand new reissuance. And what happens now is all these subscriptions that were pinging your credit card and debit card once a month or once a week, whatever their charge frequency is, now they get a rejection when they try to process it, which means they need to call you and say, hey, I'm trying to process your credit card and I can't, which then puts them in front of you. And now the pain becomes very visceral again. It's like, okay, this person wants to collect money. Do you contractually have an obligation? Do you want what they're offering? That gym, I didn't want that anymore. I got a gym at home. I mean, that's actually a very broad use of the word gym. I have a bench with a few weights. <laughs> That's my gym. and uh, but, but it's adequate for me. It's all you need. And uh, I contractually fulfilled my obligation. So I canceled it on the spot, saving me money. Other ones, it brought an awareness saying, oh my gosh, I have this bill I'm paying. Do I really need this thing? And I can make decisions on consolidating and removing things. There is so much money, particularly in small business, that gets goes away hidden. I remember some guy coming to me says, "Oh, I have an Amex card and I like this, you know, I have $100,000 of charges every month through it or whatever it was." And and boastfully saying that. And uh 
he's like, you know, I put all these business expenses through it and stuff. And I get all, I don't know, these points or benefits from Amex because I spend so much through Amex. The same thought, I was like, wow, how much money is being, and, and he also said, by the way, I pay off everything every month. So I don't incur any cost. Same time, I was like, how many expenses are not being scrutinized on that Amex card? Because it's just part of the, the haystack. Always needles. What if, the, what if the haystack is a haystack of needles? There's only one piece of hay and it's all needles piled up. He may not even be seeing that. So be very careful about those recurring subscription costs, those hidden costs. And the only way to really nip in the bud and make sure you've got that figured out, cancel those credit cards, reissue them. Don't allow subscriptions to be transferred. Use tell the credit card company that and uh, you'll catch those. Oh, and one other tip, when you're on the phone with them, also ask them to reduce your percentage rate. Tell them, listen, I've been, if you've been affected by COVID crisis, your business somehow negatively, which many businesses have, we, we've been affected. I called my credit card company and said, listen, I, we're being affected here. We didn't, they didn't even ask me to detail how. They said, you know, no problem. We're going to put you at 0% interest rate for the next three months and then move you back to where you were. Took two extra seconds and I got that leniency. Now, the thing is, I pay my credit cards off every time. So it wasn't, it was more of a demonstration of capability as opposed to benefit, but we can all renegotiate those type of terms. So while it may seem ironic, especially if you follow Dave Ramsey, there are some best practices if you utilize credit cards in your business. Best practice number one, do not make any purchase using your credit card that has not already been budgeted and pre-funded by an allocation. Do not make any purchase using your credit card that has not already been budgeted and pre-funded by an allocation. Let's say you saw a stand-up desk at someone's office and they gushed about how much more energy and tenacity they have to carry them through the day now that they work from a stand-up desk. Well, wow, you could use more energy in your workday. And if a stand-up desk gives you that, don't you deserve one? Don't you need one? I mean, you will make more money if you have more energy, right? Well, how are you going to pay for it? Are you going to go online, order it, and whip out your Amex or Visa to pay for it? Time out. Did you budget for office upgrades? Let's hit pause on impulse purchases, and let's control our money instead of being a debtor to your creditors. Let's look at our OPEX and try to cut some things so that we can then reallocate the spending to the new stand-up desk. But be careful. Once you get one stand-up desk, they, meaning your employees, will all want stand-up desks. Trust me, I added a stand-up desk in my office in November, and now by July, we have installed an additional six stand-up desk stations. They did not happen overnight. We installed the most recent one over the July 4th holiday weekend. Not everyone has opted for one, and we have at least two more in queue. If we would have done the normal thing, let our emotions achieve our impulse desire to have it now, then in November, one stand-up desk would have become eight in a matter of weeks, and we would have killed our cash for OPEX. By wanting to win with Profit First over redoing the offices with the swipe of a credit card, we were able to accomplish the result without having to kill our OPEX cash or worse, go into debt for office furniture? We have no one to impress, 
Clients never come to our offices. Warning, when you install stand-up desks, you also have to install new shelving that is conducive to keeping your organization at a higher level. Get it? It's really a pun. You're standing, so placing papers in a drawer is not conducive because you don't have drawers at a standing desk. You have to put it on a tray in a shelf that complements your standing height. Additionally, there are a lot of accessories and other requirements to maximizing the transition to a standing desk. The actual standing desk is about 40% of the cost of outfitting each workstation to standing. So know exactly how much you need to budget by figuring the whole enchilada. It's always, always more than it seems. Anywho, we did not do it overnight. We took our time over what will eventually be 10 months to have the available funds in OpEx to procure and upgrade our office areas. Best practice number two, when using credit cards for recurring purchases in the business, including monthly expenses like phones, utilities, and annual expenses like memberships and software subscriptions, figure what that annual spend totals and then divide that amount by the number of allocations you do per year. We do 26 allocations per year because we pay bi-weekly and our allocations occur the Wednesday prior to a Friday payday. If you allocate on the 10th and 25th, you have 24 allocations per year. Make sure you are designating that amount as part of your OPEX with the intention of paying your credit card balance and not spending over that allocated amount. For example, for one of our businesses, we treat our Amex for office expenses like a, it's a bill we pay with each allocation. Our OpEx expenses for utilities, memberships, software subscriptions, tolls, etc., is $104,000 per year. We allocate $4,000 per allocation to Amex expenses. $4,000 per allocation times 26 allocations totals $104,000 per year. Note, you could even have a separate dedicated allocation account for your credit card. In our business, we list all of the OpEx bills that need to be paid with each allocation. And Amex is $4,000 on that list. So we pay $4,000 to Amex with each allocation. We have a budget that keeps our Amex spending in check. We spend no more than $4,000 every two weeks on these types of expenses that we put on American Express. Best practice number three, make yourself responsible for the credit card charge posting. You want to limit your spending, so put the tedious, burdensome work on yourself. Call us old school. We do not sync any outside entities with our QuickBooks. We are actually on QuickBooks desktop for one of our businesses because we do a daily import from our ERP to QuickBooks, and we are on QuickBooks online for our other businesses. All bank-related transactions are manually entered into QuickBooks desktop. Again, call us old school, but it works for us from a cross our T's and dot our I's perspective. It also allows for us to have embedded checks and balances in our accounting area. As there is full transparency and a bit of a paper trail because we have a checklist that gets attached to every receivable that outlines the steps on properly processing. 
Additionally, we batch process, which allows us to prioritize the right work and allows us to leverage part-timers to pick up the lower priority batch processes. Did I just digress? Sorry, but I geek out over this stuff. Back to best practice number three. Make yourself responsible for the credit card charge posting. If you want to limit your spending, put the tedious, burdensome work on yourself. Because I touch it every month, I know exactly how many times we used American Express and for what. My responsibility as a cog in our accounting wheel is to make sure all of our American Express transactions are posted so that our controller can reconcile the account to close the month. In my role as credit card transaction poster, I scrutinize every expense, and because I do it monthly, I have a great sense of what is normal and what can be fraud, or something that creates a dupe to something we already have at play. Yes, I have caught fraudulent charges on our Amex that require me to notify American Express. If an employee was doing the posting, do you think they would have caught the fraud? Mm, I would give it a 50-50 chance depending on the expense and the merchant. But with me, I have a 99% chance of catching any fraudulent charges because I'm so familiar with our monthly American Express expenses. I also know best what is going on, who was authorized to make a purchase, and who was tasked with canceling a subscription. Every month, by me doing the manual entry of our OpEx purchases using American Express, I do find something to address. I don't obsess, but I have a good sense of our OpEx on Amex. Plus, I know when, why, and how if there are deviations to the spend. Was there an annual subscription charge? Additionally, I can keep a view on travel by salesperson because I use a report from American Express to post my entries by credit card user. So I really know who, what, where, and why the respective Amex card is being utilized. It also serves as a wallet guard for me. I honestly really think hard about how much pulling out the Amex card to pay for something is going to be worth. Will it provide a six times to 10 times ROI? And will it be worth my time to add to my list of OpEx expenses that I'm tasked with posting each month? Seriously, I want to keep entries as minimal as possible. This is important work for me but I also want to get it done quickly because it's not necessarily the work I love, but I can spare the 45 minutes a month I spend on the task. The best part, this has totally worked for me. This is probably the biggest reason why and how we have been able to keep our credit card usage in check. In addition to the three best practices we just discussed, don't forget to apply the two bonus to-dos Mike talked about. Bonus one, ask the credit card company to not auto-update credit card information to recurring purchase vendors. And bonus number two, renegotiate your interest rate. So there you have it. Three best practices and two bonus actions to help you do profit first right with credit cards. We have this best practice checklist available on our website at ProfitFirstNation.com under resources for download. Additionally, we have a new cool feature you can now opt in when you access our resource page for the first time 
to receive our corresponding resource via text when each new episode comes out on Thursdays. So when you listen to the newest episode, the resource reference is right there on your device. Since we are now 15 episodes in, I'm going to humbly ask you, my entrepreneurial friend, to write a five-star review for Profit First Nation on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Five-star reviews are the best way for other entrepreneurs to find the podcast as it helps us make the new and noteworthy lists and moves us up on the topic feeds. Finally, if you would like to work directly with a certified profit-first professional bookkeeper, accountant, or coach, then again, go to ProfitFirstNation.com and click on Contact, where you'll be able to connect with a certified profit-first professional. Cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friend. Profit First Nation's website, social media accounts, and related podcasts are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.